Welcome to Bitcoin Fixes This, where we explore the impact that Bitcoin will have in all aspects of society. Today's guests are Adam Dirks and Bethany Hamilton, surfers, stars of the movie Unstoppable, Christians, and Bitcoin. We talk about identity, being grounded, and how their faith has influenced their relationship. We also talk about social media, the role of money in identifying us with work, and ultimately being free from the judgment of others. Adam and Bethany are an inspiring couple, and I was thrilled to learn that they were Bitcoiners. It's fairly obvious that they're cut from the same cloth as many Bitcoiners and that they're not going to accept conventional wisdom or whatever boxes people put them in. Their suggestions to unplug a bit from social media is something I definitely needed to hear. I hope listening to them gets you to love others and go outside. Adam and Bethany, how are you guys doing? Yo, what's up, Jimmy? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to tell you guys, like I've had, uh, you know, 43 other guests on this show, and I think I've been the most nervous for this one. And not because, you know, like of any particular thing, but because my daughters and wife (laughs) are very much fans of yours. So they were like, don't screw this up, dad. You know, so I got to be like, okay, I got to make sure I do a good job here. That is funny. Leave it to the wife and daughters to put the pressure on. (laughs) Exactly. I've like interviewed like all-star baseball players and like, you know, (laughs) UFC fighters and stuff and not really nervous, but you know, my wife and kids, you know, tell me, don't screw this up. It's like, okay, well, I, be- I better do a good job. They're not eavesdropping on you right now, are they? <laughs> no, no, they're not. Okay. I have my own podcast studio for okay. that reason. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so first of all, thank you guys for coming on this podcast. I know you guys probably get a lot of media requests and things like that. And it's been very interesting sort of thinking about like the your guys' relationship and obviously what you've gone through, Bethany. I watched the movie, um, Unstoppable. It was a fantastic movie for those of you that haven't seen it. Very inspiring. The one thing I want to start with here is, you know, I found the whole thing inspiring, not in the sort of typical way, you know, you're able to overcome obstacles and everything like that. But Bethany, you've essentially been famous since you were very little. And Somehow through all of the, you know, press and, you know, like media and everything like that, you seem to have a really good sense of who you are. You seem to have this really good sense of your own identity. Can you tell us more about where that comes from and how you've developed that, you know, through the public eye and so on? Yeah, I think we're living in really interesting times where I think it's going to get harder and harder for young people to be grounded in their identity, so to say. Mm. You know, whether you're famous or not, there if you have access to the internet, there's a world of influence there that continually shape and mold you into someone you may want to be or may not want to be. But I think in my own circumstance, it started with just having wonderful parents who raised me in in the Christian faith and also just being in the ocean, I would say, is like oddly enough, like a place that humbles you a lot. You know, you can only get so much ego until the ocean kind of disrupts your ego because it's always going to overpower you so to say or put you in your place and 
And I think living a life of faith too, it's just like knowing that God's ultimately watching over me and has control of all the worries and struggles that I have on a day-to-day basis and that I can rely on God to be my strength and not necessarily always just muster up the strength myself. Yeah, but I think just kind of knowing and then also having the influence of like a moralistic life and having values to live out life by which the Christian faith has hugely influenced me and that has just kind of kept me from, I don't know, getting my head too big. But I also kind of always repelled fame. I don't really like it. I thought that was cool when I met you. Like, it was through mutual friends who got us to meet up together. And I thought it was just like unreal just how down to earth you were and how like, I mean, your faith really shone through and just how, I don't know, it's just a really beautiful moment. And I was like, okay, this, she's really rad. I didn't even know anything about really your past and about all the attention around your life. <laughs> but yeah. I, I was really attracted, like you were really rooted in your identity. You were- I feel like I like forget about stuff a lot of the times, like my values aren't in a lot of the things that maybe other people value. So I'm more just chasing the things that I'm passionate about. Like just, I guess as of now, it's being a good mom. I don't know if I'm a good wife right now, but getting in the ocean, (laughs) just surfing my best, just living life to the fullest, loving my neighbors, my neighbors. That's even everyone who's listening today. And that's partially like why we're, you know, talking about Bitcoin because we think it's another way to love our neighbor, so to say. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, so Adam, you meet Bethany and, and I guess you didn't know too much about, you know, like what had happened to her or like, uh, you know, all the fame that she had gotten and all the awards and everything else. You know, what's your background? Like, how did you sort of like come into this relationship and like, uh, how did you identify yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much just a Kansas boy. I I grew up in Kansas, and I guess my faith journey was growing up in a strong Christian family as well. And then when I went through college, kind of went through a rough season there for sure, but always came back being grounded in my faith and grounded in what God had for my life and ultimately being saved by grace through faith alone and so that kind of brought me into um, wanting to share that with folks. So I started working with Young Life Ministry here on Kauai. And mm-hmm. the, the folks are out here were kind of like, hey, we need to get, keep this guy out here. Keep working with us. Let's find him a wife. And they, that's how they set me up with Bethany on like a blind day. And so I guess it was just really interesting, like how, I mean, how we can have such strong faith in in Christ and have and be attracted to others who have that faith too. So when I met Bethany, it's like this is something that I'm passionate about. She's passionate about it. And I don't know. It just kind of It's a tying effect for sure. Yeah. I don't know where I was all about that, but that's kind of my background. (laughs) Well it's interesting because there is sort of like even in the first few minutes of talking to you guys, it's very clear that you guys 
have a very strong sense of self, like who you are and what you're about, which honestly, I don't get from a lot of people sometimes. It's you ask them what they're about and they'll tell you, okay, this is what I do for work or this is, Hmm. you know, where I'm from or something like that. But you guys have, you know, a very strong sense of where you belong, who you are, what it is that you're doing. And that's not common today is the big thing. People almost try on different identities, almost like underwear or something. Like they just change it, try something else out. Like, why is yours so prominent and steady? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear you on that. And I see it amongst the culture. I feel like people are just being tossed to and from, depending on what's the common day cultural talking point, so to say. Mm -hmm. And I guess for us, it's hard not to just kind of let it all fall back on our Christian faith and just knowing that we're loved and accepted and forgiven by God. And I think especially the grace aspect of, you know, we can seek to live a life that God calls us to live, but whether or not we succeed, we're still going to be loved and forgiven. And that puts a sense of peace on, it's like the umbrella that over encompasses everything else. It's like, okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not the perfect wife, but I have that grace to fall back on. And not that to take that for granted by any mean, but it just puts a sense of peace in my mind and being to be able to wake up each day and try again, try your best and love your neighbor. And, mm. and ultimately that kind of leads the charge on all other aspects. Yeah. And it's like that relational that is so huge, like being able to know that we are forgiven and that we can forgive one another. That's just foundational to so much in life. Um, being willing to forgive and being expressing that mercy, but also like standing firm in the values that we really believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, yeah. Yeah. There's so much that we do need to stand firm and we, and yes, mercy is essential, but we can't be pushovers either. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, so I noticed something when I was watching some of the videos that you guys sent me, and they were great, by the way. And you guys were talking about identity. And Adam, at one point, you were talking to Bethany about sort of like where your identity was and when people would ask you, what do you do? And you felt like you didn't have a good answer because you felt this pressure to almost define yourself by the work that you do. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that and why you felt that pressure and how you sort of like ended up resolving that? Man, yeah, that was definitely a journey. A a journey that took years for me to kind of pan it out because growing up, we all are very shaped by our childhood and our, our father figures in our life. And so my father figure was, you know, my dad, nine to five, work, working and coming home and, you know, we see him say hi and say bye. And so I was like, okay, is this where my life, that that's kind of like how I figured my life would be when I became a father. Is this, so I figured like, 
where do I fit in in the work life? So like Mary and Bethany is like a lot of our work is based upon her fame and upon her demand for like, you know, speaking at, at church events and traveling and surf. So I kind of took a secondary role. So in, as far as the work life goes, but so adapting to that was big mental and psychological shift in my mind. And I feel like for a while it was a struggle and it was a struggle, not only in our relationship, but also it, it come out in different ways for me, but I feel like through God's grace, he helped me through that and started to realize like, wow, I actually have an amazing opportunity to support my wife and my role looks completely different than what my mind had, had seen. And it's, it really is, it is a full on job. It's just not like punching the, the work clock in the morning and punching out in the evening. It's, it's a full on job to be able to support my wife and support our family and be there for my kids and, and homeschool them and be a, be very present in their life more so than I would be if I was working somewhere else. So in that sense, it's a huge blessing. And, but now with our shifting more online with our business and shifting everything on there, there's like all these other different ways I can become involved. And, but yeah, I guess it was just. Yeah. It's really interesting because we just didn't know how our life would really play out. And I was in the season of still like pursuing some professional surfing. And so we kind of pushed for that for a while. And to be honest with you guys too, like I'm not necessarily an advocate for like mom being the at work mom and dad being at home yeah. sort of vibes because I see that pushed a lot in culture. So I just wanted to get some clarity there. We're but much a teamwork. Like what we are we is like together. we just it's, have a un- really unique thing. It's like we're teamworking every little detail of life, and it's yeah. it's really rad and amazing and exciting and oftentimes challenging too. And I would say like we all need each other, and it's just for sure we just are on a mission to help others. I would say and that whatever we got to do to kind of like do that is what it, it was like falls back on. Yeah. I feel like one, like getting married is a huge adjustment in itself. Mm. And it's kind of like the, the new kid coming to the neighborhood baseball game and trying to like jump into the team real fast. Like there's like some clunky, like you have to like, you have to figure things out and get used to the community and get used to the the teammates, the teammates. And so that's kind of like, there's kind of like clunkiness in the beginning. And, but then things like are really jamming now. Yeah. <laughs> we're working really well together. So yeah, we're, we're blessed. We're thankful. Hmm. Well, so you guys sort of described how things are, you know, like how you guys fit right now. But, uh, you know, I want to go back to the work aspect because there is sort of like this pressure. And I suspect this is because of the current monetary system and all that to sort of almost identify yourself with your work or, you know, identify yourself by who you work for or what you do to you know, where you quote unquote belong, it's all sort of like determined by who pays you. Like, 
Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like you guys have sort of gotten out of that somehow. And it's it's interesting because the only people that I know that have managed to do that are in Bitcoin. So can you tell us a little bit more about how, I don't know, you guys almost seem free of the fiat sort of job system that exists. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we kind of in the spirit of entrepreneurship, but also the spirit of like realizing that our platform that Bethany has been given is almost like a responsibility to take that platform and use it for good, such as I'm taking, going to like speaking events and sharing a message of hope. And um, so it's kind of a blessing that we can kind of pick and choose where we go and, and what we do. But there are things that we do have to say yes to like, you know, sp- there's like sponsorships for surfing and the and all that. But in a sense, we've almost to be a part of the fiat system, like we need to sell our house and buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> if we just nice. got rid of our mortgage. <laughs> yeah. If we didn't have the mortgage, we would be officially oh, Bitcoiners, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, tell, tell me more about that. How do you feel still sort of like shackled to the fiat system? And how does that affect your identity? Oh, my goodness. I think, I mean, to start with like going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, it came to us about, I guess, Bethany's brother has been talking to us about it for quite a few years. And we just in one year, not the other. <laughs> and we didn't know what he was talking about. Well, he's not exactly good with finances, a- too. So it's like, who's this guy that's my older brother that isn't good with finances, but is giving us financial advice? <laughs> he's an amazing guy, though, and a yeah. wonderful human. I just like, you know how it is, brother-sister mm-hmm. relationship. <laughs> sure. But it, yeah, I guess it took... Kind of like what we explained in our blog post, a silver lining last year when our paychecks and everything was cut in half and our ability to travel, to go do work and to surf was was completely shut down. And that that began kind of like an eye-opening experience of, okay, where do we go from here? Like, what's, is there a solution? Is there a solution Aside from like doing extremely life-changing events such as selling our house and moving to somewhere more affordable. And it put us down the journey of like seeing, well, first like financial security, how, where are our savings account? Like, and then we started learning about the money printing and we were like, well, that doesn't make sense if like they're printing more money. It's increasing the supply and our savings account staying the same. So therefore... Like what's going to happen? We just started digging a little deeper than what our high school and college education never taught. And it just got us questioning and wanting to plan more responsibly and just be a little more on top of it. Because, you know, you just don't know it's around the corner and we just weren't prepared last year, 2020, for all the, for a year-long economic shutdown. And questioning mm-hmm. is like very natural for us because like with our, we're very into like our natural health and taking control of our, 
our health and, yeah, and fitness. Like and- me, especially I started at age like 16, I started to question like how to have a healthy life, mm. especially being an athlete. Of course I wanted to be able to perform well, but it became like more of a passion driven thing. So I started mm. learning a lot and just, I, I see through all the health advice in the mainstream American news Mm. And I just don't accept what is being given or told or said because I know that a lot of it's not necessarily true. Mm. So that kind of approach to that and then not only that, but like from a faith perspective, like how the world goes about things, there's Mm. just so much evil across the board (laughs) how do I say that with a little more grace like there's just evil intertwined into everything you look like we live in the love of money is so is a root of evil you know like there's just gonna be some sort of evil intertwined in everything and I don't let that necessarily scare us we don't wake up scared of that every day but we just recognize it and keep trucking along yeah and we look for we pray about it and ask for guidance like where are we supposed to be going with this and like there there are beautiful things in this world that we appreciate and we're being close being here on Kauai and going to the most beautiful surf destinations in the world like we see just the amazing beauty that God gives us and and I think like so tying back in to the like our health and stuff there's a lot of beautiful things that we can do to increase our resiliency and to have actual good health disease prevention to Mm -hmm. not have to be on meds for the rest of our life at the age of you know 40 on those are Um, just band-aid solutions and that like the root of the problem is something internal and something that we can work on it's harder work but it's something that mm. we can do. So going back to the financial realm is just, it became almost second nature for us to begin to dive deep into that and start to question. Like this is not healthy to begin with. Yeah. There's some like the stimulus checks. This seems like a big bandaid solution. Like what is the root problem? And part of that journey of discovering that was like your book, Jimmy, and that the group of authors, uh, thank God for Bitcoin you guys did an amazing job. Like, I feel like so much stuff isn't talked about in our education system about debasement and how it's been prevalent since there was government pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that was just super eye-opening to see how prevalent that is and to know that there is a root problem and there is a solution <laughs> and it's, yeah, it takes a little more work to research it and uh, ask the hard questions. But much like with our health, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth going down that hole and researching and finding out. Well, thank you for that, first of all. But there's a pattern that I, I just picked up, which is that, you know, with respect to your health and, you know, what's supposedly good for you, you ended up questioning that and coming to sort of your own conclusions. It seems like you're doing that about money. But most obviously, you've done that, both of you to some degree, with your identity. It's 
you know, there is sort of a way in which other people try to kind of put you in a box and say, okay, this is what you are. But what I find impressive about both of you is that you you seem to have said, well, you know what, I'm not going to take that definition, you know, like, instead of letting you define for me who I am, I'm going to go and find my own path and find out what it is that I'm supposed to be. And that that seems to be sort of this pattern where you're willing to put in the work to go and find the truth about not just, you know, health and finances, but about yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was like one of the main goals of creating Unstoppable, your documentary, because mm. there was so much, yeah, putting Bethany in that box of being the shark bite girl or, you know, but really the goal is like portraying like, hey, look how you know, like your passion for surfing is, is hugely who you are and your faith. And what did you say? Yeah. Just like put, I guess, <laughs> pushing myself yeah. too, to like kind of, yeah, just challenge. I, I guess I'm just continually challenging myself in all different aspects and I don't know if it's just like innately born in me or a little bit, but I think too, just. You do have a little bit of crazy in you. Yeah. (laughs) Surfing those 50 foot jaws waves and huge barreling slabs at Chopu. (laughs) Wow. But I think all of us can, can dig deep and, and grow ourselves and, Yeah, I just kind of coming back to, though, I'm like thinking about this generation growing up now and just the influence of like phone devices and all that that encompasses. It's going to be a wild time for some identities. Yeah. Yeah, And that's something that I wanted to talk to you guys about as well, because really, it's not identity anymore. It's like your personal brand or something, right? Like this is what you sort of put out to the world with social media. And this is, you know, who I'm supposed to be, or here's a nice package version of myself. And you present sort of like an unreal version of yourself online to, I don't know, impress people, become more popular or for whatever. Like, how do you stay more grounded and like sort of, you know, in a way that's healthy, that isn't sort of, you know, overly concerned about what your reputation is online and so on. And I I imagine this is something that both of you have, have thought quite a bit about. I feel like that's the very first module you put in our our e-courses that we created was called Be Present. And Mm. it's funny, we like, we participate in this media culture by social media and creating videos and stuff. But like this, this course that we created is like telling people like, put your phones down and (laughs) present with your people and like bust out board games and go surf, go hiking. I feel like it's very natural for us here because Bethany has such a passion for surfing. Like we try to get to the beach and there's usually no cell phone service there. So we're just like Mm -hmm. very, very present with where we're at and with our family and with our friends. Mm. Anything else? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think that's one, one big checklist. Like, I mean, 
It's real. I mean, children and young teens, you see nowadays the depressed rates are really high. Suicide rates are exponentially high, especially this last year. Mm-hmm. Not having as much time in nature and in um, away from screens with friends, interacting with each other. Yeah. Just having like real life how life should be, so mm. to say. Like, On mm. top of that, maybe not being rooted in a self, in having worth or value as a human. Or I think, too, like God calls us to love our neighbor, you know. Um, that aspect of loving our neighbor gives us worth, you know. My boys and my husband need me to love them and provide mm-hmm. for them. And that brings me worth each day to wake up and, and live that out. Or, you know, whether it's my friends or, or other people I interact with day to day. Like having some sense of worth is really important too. Because, you know, if you don't have a reason to wake up, then why wake up? Yeah. And, and I think and a lot of people are feeling that. They're yeah. like, I don't have a reason to wake up. And if they're disconnected and there's this barrier of a screen, mm. if the only way you're connecting with people is through a screen, I mean, that's not, that's not real connection. So, mm. so just encouraging folks to, to be present, but <laughs> the phone's down and go have some fun with your friends and get outside. And uh, I think that's the first beautiful first step to, to jump into like finding yourself or having an identity or something to that effect. Yeah. And I, I feel like through that, we, we start to not only have discover more time yourself. To think yeah. too. You have more time to think and ponder and mm-hmm. just less like noise and distractions. I, I think it's, I forget what study it was. Um, there was a, a recent study of college age students who have grown up with cell phones and this professor tried to do like a digital fast like a 30 days see how long can go you know it was like it was through different age groups um so for like for folks the generation after ours because our generation was you know phone less screen Mm -hmm. less no cell phone through our childhood and most of our teen years so folks who are like in their 30s, upper 30s, when they did their digital fast, they were actually able to dive back into hobbies. They're like, oh, I have time to like practice my guitar and <laughs> I have time to go play a game with my friends. And But the the students who were like in their 20s who grew up with a phone in there, they had like, it was some serious psychological withdrawals. And they, mm. it was very, very hard. And they, it actually took like some counseling to be able to go through it. So, mm. it's so like, more of their identities sound like they're tied up in whatever is online instead of something external to it, like the yeah. people that are over 30. Yeah. There's, we're to a point like, where what do we do with ourselves right now? Mm. I mean, picking up a book is even foreign. Like, I feel like it's hard to, understand like i mean faith comes through hearing god's word but i feel like also the value of like finding time to open god's word and read it 
is so important and that's that's very life-giving and that's very reading about what God says about you and your identity is rooted in that. That's so powerful. But if you're not making time for that, yeah. Yeah. Then you're not receiving that. Hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, when I was going through the course that you guys sent me, you know, I think it was Tim Tebow that was saying, you know, like, it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And it occurred to me that for most people, the way they identify themselves is with a group or a job or the company that they work for or something like that instead of something that transcends, you know, something that is here that's probably temporary instead of something that's, I guess, a little more transcendental or something that transcends and is more abstract and I don't know, like more in that spiritual realm, which you guys are talking about. What is it about that which helps you sort of have this fixed identity and helps you, you know, be able to sort of handle adversity and all of the things that come? Because clearly you guys have been through some adversity, but you've come out on the other side having been become better for it. Whereas for a lot of people, if they go through a digital fast, it requires counseling, like kind of like you said. So What's the difference? What is that grounding that helps? You hit it. I think just, yeah, just, I feel like I kind of already said this, but <laughs> being, knowing that I'm loved and accepted by God, no matter what happens yesterday, today, or tomorrow, and that mm. that will carry me through whatever season I might face. So. I mean, it's one thing to say it, right? Mm -hmm. But like, what is it like to live through it? And what's sort of like the gut-wrenching decision that you have to make in there that says, you know what? Like, I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to. Like, what was it for you that made you react differently. I think there's just like this underlying sense of peace because of that sense of worth mm. from God. So like, for example, when I lost my arm, even though life was chaotic, it was awful. I didn't know what my future held. This was not part of the plan whatsoever. I still had that sense of peace that like, okay, it's going to be okay. Even though like right now feels horrible. Like I still had that sense of peace, like kind of carrying me through that. And I don't know if I could muster that up on my own. Like, I think for me, just relying on God on a day-to-day -day basis, he brings in that peace that surpasses all understanding like my understanding couldn't necessarily you know hold down the fort but I just had that peace that only God can give in my mind and since that day on like I would say the same thing it's continually kind of carrying me through those dark times because you know like of course there's always challenging times and you kind of get in stuck in ruts here and there, but eventually you can get out of them. 
Yeah. And I, mm. I think that you talk about too, about your community yeah. then and now, like for future things that are certain is like obstacles will come. And it's just a matter of like, are you in a place where you can handle it? Like, so having that mm. peace, having that assurance that you're not alone in your faith, but also having a solid group of people around you, your community is so encouraging and so helpful. And then having the mindset of, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to chime in on community is just, and being willing to talk. Like, Mm -hmm. like I find myself in my like thirties now, I'm in my thirties. I almost like force myself to talk about things that are really bugging me or, getting on my plate, I feel like there's this need for honesty and being like more open and honest about how I'm feeling or something I'm struggling with or just, or a fear of mine and just like putting it out in the open air. It's like when you do. More so with Adam, like I don't do it with everyone, but with Adam, like my husband, like just being really open about like my worries my fears my the things I know I'm struggling in and just having that honesty feels more like of a real life versus Mm. kind of holding it in and holding pretending to be something else (laughs) yeah and just like yeah I think I recognize at some point that I grew up like I love my parents they're amazing but I grew up in a household of like just put it under the rug You know, Mm -hmm. we put things under the rug and that's where they go and that's where they stay. And Mm -hmm. so I'd say from like somewhere in my mid 20s, I recognized that and just started kind of working on it. And then now in my 30s, I'm like, I want to have a beautiful marriage. So not putting things under the rug is like really important to me to Mm -hmm. protect our honesty and, and our relationship. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I suspect that that honesty was part of what brought you into this Bitcoin journey that you guys have been on. How's that, I don't know, changed how you view the world and view yourselves to some degree? Yeah, I feel like the more we learned about almost the depravity or like the overwhelming, powerful government that is or whatever that may look like around the world like it does kind of get you a little down in the dumps like it's like how do we stop like these crazy mandates and these crazy we can't tell the government to stop printing money we can't so what do we do to bring about sovereignty and i believe like sovereignty is very is very god-given and i it ties in to our faith. And I feel like it's so important to us. So when we learn about like Bitcoin and how that brings like just individual sovereignty, like true ownership of your value of time and work, it was like, wow, this is, I mean, like you said at the end of your book, like you can truly say, thank God for Bitcoin because it's, it's a, a tool that does bring hope and I mean, we see it in places like Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, and we see that community down there able to come out 
from under a hyperinflated economy and and interact with a global network and it's life changing for sure. I think from my perspective, you know, I grew up in a really my mom is an incredible human. She really cares for other people very deeply and ever since I was young, we are always like looking out for the interests of others. So for Christmas, we would like buy a goat for a community to get milk from the goat mm-hmm. or well, stuff Samaritan's like that. Person. Good yeah. Samaritan's yeah. first, but that was like our Christmas thing. We'd mm-hmm. buy a well for a community that had no, like no good drinking water. And then, so as I grew up, like I kind of looked at the world with the lens of like loving my neighbor. I always, like, before I was old enough, I couldn't wait to go on a missions trip with my church, and we they would go to Tijuana every year, Mexico, Tijuana, Mexico, and work with orphanages and bring food to people that are literally living in the dump. Like, just crazy experiences that I did eventually end up going and doing, and it's wild to see firsthand. And I think living in the U.S., not all of us see that or like, yeah, we may not ever see that in a lifetime, but it's just wild to know that it's there around the world. And America is maybe not quite as bad off as some countries, but surfing has brought me all around the world to see all different cultures and from the richest to the poorest and So kind of just seeing the world and the realities that are out there is just really heavy. (laughs) So, yeah, coming back to to what Adam was saying, some people listening today might not feel like some of the mandates are a bad thing that are happening right now because it's for the interests of others, right? Mm. But... I guess we just have to look at the bigger picture because sometimes the things painted to be for the interest of others are not really going to be for their best interests in the long run mm-hmm. and maybe not even in the short run. So I think there's just so much damage being done right now that's absolutely devastating and I don't want to be a downer, but there's hope to be had nonetheless. Yeah. No, it's just a constant. you just have to seek it. You have to look for it. You have to hunt it down until you find it. Yeah. It's a constant reminder that we truly do live in a broken world. And like our government, the U.S., is not bulletproof to being corrupted in the things that we do and the the things that that they do, the people in power. So, (laughs) yeah, that's what... That's what kind of like when we started to go down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin and discovering how that brings sovereignty back to the people and how through adoption of it, it does have the ability to relinquish, to diminish some of the power from Mm -hmm. the people that hold it over us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very... I know. I just wish more people could wrap their heads around it. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know it's funny because our brother would try to my my brother would try to talk us to us about Bitcoin, but we didn't hear him because we weren't ready for it. But also, he might have been a really bad sales agent. So now we're in the shoes. I'm like texting my friend these like long text messages. Come on, just buy some, please. I know you have <laughs> savings account dwindling away in the bank. I know mm. how frugal some of you are. So, mm. Mm. but you can't force people, right? No, 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 you can't. And it is interesting, though. I do wonder how much of the resistance is because of sort of their identity within the fiat sphere, right? Like, is this sort of like an acceptable opinion, right? Like this whole idea of, you know, acceptable opinions versus unacceptable opinions, Bitcoin sort of like straddling and like sort of going into the acceptable realm right now. And it, it's an interesting thing to watch because the people that adopted it, they didn't really care about that, right? Like, especially early on, like the the people that were adopting it, like, oh, well, I mean, who cares what people think of me if I buy this? It's, you know, I think it's good. And it's starting to change a little bit, the people that buy it. Are you guys seeing that when you're like sort of talking about it to other people? I feel like most people that we've talked to are more like they want the gains, you know, mm. financial gains, which I can totally understand. Like everyone's trying to get ahead or catch mm-hmm. up, if anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And I, I mean, we've handed out like more than a dozen copies of your book to as many of our close friends and workers that we know. And we're like, just read it, (laughs) read it. (laughs) But I'm also Um, thinking like people are always handing me books like every other day and I don't read half of them. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like it is becoming easier to talk to people about it and people feel like they're more accepting. And then Things like this past week with all the FUD coming out, it feels mm-hmm. like a purposeful attack on. It's interesting the psychology of folks. I feel like people like to be told what to do. So mm. it's kind of so kinda scary when powers that be are like putting false information and bad news out there about Bitcoin and kind of telling people, like, hey, don't buy this thing. This is a sketchy investment or whatever. Mm. And it's so like just getting the truth out there, like doing podcasts like this and spreading Mm. good information like your book out there to get people like to uh, really see the truth behind what Bitcoin is. And I don't know. What are your thoughts Mm. on that? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have seen more people, I guess, being open to it more recently. And it is, I think you guys are right. Like there is sort of that financial gain or catching up or like being on the fiat treadmill effect where they know that their money's getting worse and worse. So they have to have some way to keep up. But, but yeah, I wonder if they actually know, like, I feel like a lot of people mm-hmm. aren't really recognizing that and they're just, mm. but like, there's like maybe in the, way back of the brain somewhere a slight thought like maybe (laughs) something's not quite right here but i'm just gonna keep put my head down and keep working hard you know Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah and and this is a common thing i just read the book when money dies it was about weimar republic between the two world wars and 
a lot of people did exactly what you said, Bethany. Like they just like sort of put their head down and worked hard and they watched their savings completely disappear in the span of like three years, like just absolutely devastated. Wow. And, wow. and, you know, like there's a quote in the book about this woman that was talking about her friends. She was just saying, saying they were all just being very stupid. And that was the word she used, stupid. Like they just literally didn't want to deal with it. So they yeah. just kept doing what they were doing. And that does seem to be a tendency, you guys. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I hear about, I, we read an article recently about, was it in Nigeria or Sudan? Back in the 80s, how they just like, how they took a, it was like taking the $100 bill and saying like, oh, okay, no more $100 bills. Like no matter how, <laughs> how many $100 bills we have saved on your mattress, they're now worthless. So mm. that can be controlled in that way. But like Bitcoin is, that it's just not possible. <laughs> like it's, it's secure. <laughs> the network is secure. Or I saw an interesting screenshot. I'm not 100% sure if it's true, but that China is working on their digital currency. And they're also testing if they can put expiration dates on it. So therefore, mm. it will expire whenever the government decides it will. So interesting things like that, that really get you thinking beyond... Mm. <laughs> Beyond the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a whole different level of control when you get to central bank digital currencies like China is doing. You know, my friend Alex Gladstein talks about, you know, how they have a social credit score in China and they'll probably, you know, they're going to use that and integrate it with all this stuff. So if you don't pay your taxes or something, you can't ride on the subway. Like, it'll be really like an unprecedented level of control. You right already now. are starting to see that social, what's, would you word it? Um, social, the social credit score. Social yeah. Credit score. I feel like we're already starting to implement the social credit store here in the U S just in subtle ways. Mm -hmm. So it's not enforced by software. It's definitely, it's more enforced by Twitter mobs and cancel culture and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> But it's definitely there. And I, I do see it. Well, I know you guys have to go, but just sort of like one final question for you guys. How do you think Bitcoin will change, you know, like where you guys are, what you guys are doing? How will it change that in the next few years? Oh, man. <laughs> well, like we're we're going to keep, you know, not, not in a stupid way. We're going to keep our head down, mm -hmm. keep working. We're in it just because we really believe in what we do and we believe in getting the message of hope and faith out to our following. So we're going to keep doing that. And if, if that happens to bring more fiat into our accounts, then we're going to put that in Bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to, I mean, we see it as generational. We see yeah. it as, I mean, Bethany's brother talks about this too. Is like, this is for like my grandkids and this is for, mm -hmm. um, so saving, I, I don't know what, what else, how else will it shape? Yeah. I feel like I still have a long ways to go on yeah. my Bitcoin understanding, but I'm excited just to keep educating myself and yeah, just, I think for us coming out more public, was more of a 
it felt like a duty to help other people and just seeing like the poverty around the world just really suppressing people's lives through the financial system that's Mm. where it came to the point of like I felt uncomfortable I knew it was like we wanted to share about it, but we felt uncomfortable, maybe because we didn't really have the verbiage down yet. And didn't want to be another blue check mark shilling. <laughs> I don't know. It just was more of like, how can we help the people around us? And so, yeah, I hope to. It's just now that we're aware and like engaged and involved, it'll be really amazing to see how things play out the next. 30, 50 years. Mm. Indeed. You guys have a definitely a very long-term perspective, so appreciate that very much. Where can people find you guys, and you know how can people contact you? Yeah, so we're, you can check out BethanyHamilton.com and then Bethany Hamilton, the social medias, all of the above. And we have a really rad life course, so it's kind of the full package of things that we've been have helped us to live more of a resilient unstoppable life and that's not a perfect life but more resilient more unstoppable so it's a course with all different like subjects like you mentioned Jimmy our identity be present overcoming obstacles we even talk a little bit about finances which we weren't aware of bitcoin at that point so we're going to make some modifications (laughs) nice in the next few months hun that's your job to do in the next few months (laughs) i'm motivated for that but yeah, our course is really super empowering. So if you guys want to check that out, it's on our website. And it's been really cool to get out there and seeing lives changed already thus far. But yeah, it's fun to talk with you, Jimmy. I wanted to hear more out of your voice, but you are good at asking questions. So thank you. <laughs> Welcome to this again. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll find an excuse to come out to Kauai and uh, <laughs> hang out well, with take, you guys. Sometime. Take all the children surfing. How about? Oh man, I tried surfing, and uh, you know I have two arms, and that was really tiring for me. No, the one I'm, time I'm I tried it. Actually, that's funny you say it was really tiring because some of like the fittest people they Uh try to go surfing they'll be so fit, and then you take them surfing, and they're just like exhausted after an hour. I mean, I did this like 13 years ago and I was in, I, I was in Oahu and, uh, I, you know, I, I tried surfing. I went out like three times and like the surfs were like maybe a foot high, <laughs> not very big at all. And I, I was dying by the end. I was just like, I can't do it. How do people, no wonder they have like these like triangular upper bodies. It's because they're just paddling the whole time. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> no, even with my one arm, I can paddle pretty far and outlast out most people. <laughs> even me. He paddles me. And I if love. you guys look at a picture of us, you'll see how strong Adam is. So I'll take it. I can up paddle yeah. Adam. Or any day. <laughs> wow that I, that that to me is crazy and yeah but yeah someday maybe i'll i don't know i don't even know how you practice for paddle what, what do you do is there like a paddle practicing machine that you can like rent or something or at the gym or something like i don't even know Go swimming, yeah, yeah you just just swimming in a yeah. pool like freestyle is a good good uh, mm. pepper for paddling i would say 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I skills. That was one thing my <laughs> parents gave me. They made me like a machine swimmer when I, by the time I was like 10 years old. So I could, so then my mom could sleep at night when I was out playing with my friends. <laughs> nice. In the ocean. <laughs> so wow, ocean swimming. We'll get them some lessons when you get out when you guys get out here. Okay. Well, all right. So <laughs> I know my wife's gonna listen to this podcast and she's going to tell me, You told them you're we're gonna go out to Hawaii, so when are we going? So <laughs> yeah, now I'm kinda committed to this thing. <laughs> anyway, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you so much for coming on and uh yeah, we'll have to meet in person at some point. Okay, Timmy. Thank you, too. Unchained Capital is a new sponsor of this podcast. I recently joined Unchained as an advisor on the engineering side. I know the team well, and I'm excited for what they are building. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or a Bitcoin-native financial services partner, learn more at Unchained.com. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Bitcoin Fixes This. Adam and Bethany can be found at at Bethany Hamilton on Twitter and BethanyHamilton.com. Until next time, fiat delenda est.